is your responsibility and obligation to to tackle that. So thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we're done here today. I mean, what's <laughs> <that>? okay. <laughs> ah, you know how we do our human eyes. Talk that shit. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Woo! We back at this thing, man. Um, season three. This is already whatever episode we in. Feels like we've been doing this for ten years now. You know. <laughs> no. But um, I'm so excited. I'm here with Miss Chiquita. We're here to talk about. Well, you know what? I'm gonna let them bring it in. I'm just so happy to be here. I'm almost at a loss for words, if you can believe that or not. But um, let's get to this work, y'all. So our episode's coming from Longmont Public Media today, which is exciting for us. It's a long way from um, my driveway, <laughs> which is where we started recording during COVID. Shakita, welcome. Today, we have Shakita Yarborough. We are super excited to talk to her today. Um, so Shakita is running for city council at large here in Longmont, Colorado, and her run which, you know, well, beginning of November is the election, is already breaking records because she is the first black person to run for city council in Longmont ever, which mm. is super significant, um, especially given, you know, the Longmont City Council used to be controlled by the Ku Klux Klan, right, in the 50s? Is that correct? Is that right? Great. And she's also, she's breaking records. She's raised more than any other city council at-large candidate in Longmont history yes so <laughs> welcome i know at this time you know let's let's see if somebody come up with something else but yeah, yeah. yes thank you for having me yes appreciate you um so shakita has a, a long history of working for and in the community she's currently the director of community engagement and equity for the ywca in boulder and she i mean the list is will you tell us some of the more stuff that you're doing right now in the community yeah, sure. So I'm on the Human and Housing Advisory Board for the City of Longmont. Mm -hmm. I'm on KGNU um, Board of Directors, mm -hmm. which is community radio here in Boulder County and Denver and Fort Collins. I co-founded a group called Families of Color Colorado. Mm -hmm. Let's see. What else am I doing? Of course, I'm running for city council. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Oh, and you're raising four kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are grown, but, yeah. you know, still calls every day, all no. day, and um, and trying not to panic while my, my youngest is in Panama right now. Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. It is. And I have a pup. She's not a puppy anymore. She's like three and a half, but oh. multi-pool. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I yes. love it. So what we're going to talk about today is representation. So this idea of paving the way. Um, and it's significant today because um, 
this morning, our time, Colin Powell passed away from complications of COVID. And so um, I'm just curious for both of you, just, um, yeah, just to hear like your thoughts on Colin Powell and his passing and his his role, especially for you, Shakita, and going into politics. Yeah, to be honest, representation really does matter and it's part of my platform. What really pushed me over to the edge to say, yes, I'll do this, is because there was this woman who was is a woman of color and she had lived here for over 20 years. And she had told me that she had been asked to run for city council years ago in the city. And she just said, no, I just didn't want to do it. For whatever reason, she didn't want to run. And this person is a staple in the community as far as business and things like that. Mm-hmm. And or was at that time. And so I was like, oh, OK, OK. I understand because I never saw myself as a politician, period. So I went home that evening and that was weighing heavy on my heart. Because I thought about where would this city be if she had a ran? And so for me, I felt obligated. I felt obligated to run and to represent, you know, the entire city of Longmont. Make sure that all voices are heard the best way that I know how. And so it's important for young people to see someone that's going to speak up for them. It's important for black and brown people to see someone speaking up for them. I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak up for everyone, Mm -hmm. you know. However, I can provide the opportunity for their voices to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I believe Colin Powell did that. I remember being a teenager, seeing him standing up beside you know, the president and the speeches and all of that. And maybe at the time I didn't realize how impactful he would have been or he was at that time. But of course, as I got older, I understood, you know, how impactful his presence was in government for me. Mm -hmm. And not just for me, but other black and brown kids, Mm -hmm. you know, in the community, knowing that there was someone up there. And it didn't matter what side of the political arena he was on, right? He represented us all. And that's what government should be. So for me, we lost a really good representative of all people today. And hopefully maybe one day I could be that. Just a little tinge, tiny bit. Yeah. Particle, micro particle. (laughs) (laughs) More than that. More than that. It's a historical run that you're doing. Damn. Man, um, you said something that that hit me, um, obligation. You know, um, when I was in Atlanta growing up, I never knew what I really wanted to do or I was here for until I went to medical school and fell in love with science and fell in love with um, the truth because that is what the medicine is. It is what it is, you know, and so... When you said obligation, I didn't understand my obligation until I was in medical school and found out that I have to represent for a community that is underrepresented when it came comes to healthcare, when it comes to entrepreneurship. You know, um, it's really not cool to be where we're from and to be educated. You have to look a certain way now. Now when you get in that world, you gotta change up. And 
as a representative of my people, I need to be able to be approachable, to be touched. And so to hear you speaking so poignantly about stuff like that, it kind of almost brings a tear to the mind to see strong black woman talking about an obligation she has to a community, you know, and, and just that is, is amazing. And so that word obligation is huge. Greatness comes with a responsibility. You know, if you're insignificant, I mean, life can be easy. When you're great, you know, now you have you have issues, you have problems, you know, and so not to discourage you from your from the fight you're getting into, you know, because the problem is real, you know, and you're great. So it's your responsibility and obligation to to tackle that. So thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we're done here today. I mean, let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah. You know how we do our human eye. Talk that shit. <laughs> Let's go. So, you know, when we're talking about representation, I feel like what you all are doing, you are representing the world right now. And it's important. And it's also unfortunate that we're still having this conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why are we still talking about representation. We should just be talking about all the wonderful things that Colin Powell has done and all the people he has paved the way for, right? Mm -hmm. Each person. But we're still talking about equal rights, Mm -hmm. treating people equally and equitably, right? And this is considered a contentious topic that was recently outlawed at the government level, right? Like, how is it a contentious topic, you know? (laughs) Oh, my God. I have so much. That is, uh, where can I begin with this bullshit? (laughs) How is it in 2021 we're still talking about the right to vote? How are we still talking about gerrymandering? How are we still talking about the importance of human infrastructure? The roads are more important than the people that travel on them. I, I just, it, 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 to me, is appalling. And it's all about power and ways to make sure that, I mean, Trump said it best. <laughs> Let's make America great again. He wasn't talking about us. He wasn't talking about people of color. He wasn't even talking about white people who give a damn. He was talking about people who understood that it's advantageous for them to uphold white supremacy. And he's still prevalent in our news cycle today. You know, and it's, I don't like to talk about him, to give him airspace, but you have to. So when you ask the question, why are we still talking about it, it's because we never really talked about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Barack Obama was historic. Mm-hmm. Get it. But that was also for us to shut the hell up and take our black president and think that, you know, we won. Nah. No, from the moment he got in there, they, were, they told us everything you do, we'll, we will say no. You know, so, I mean, as we all know, presidents are figureheads. They are representative of our country. In the U.S., the president is representative of our country. And so the power, and, and Trump knew it, the power is in the Senate and the Congress, you know. And so he has made it so that he is trying to do whatever it takes to control the Congress. You know, he really don't care about the presidency. And so when we're thinking about power and we're thinking about government, um, I think we, all of these contentious um, things that, that, that Emily spoke of is only contentious because people who is going to change a lifestyle for 
it's, it's, it's kind of rubbing them the wrong way to say, look, it's time. So you are a problem. Even in Longmont, you are a problem. Because everything is federal. It's, it's federal is like the last. Everything is states. Everything is local. You're a problem. I'm about to be a bigger problem. <laughs> Have you good trouble? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> Um, and you don't have to go into this if you don't want to, but have you had people resisting your run? I mean, has there been anything contentious about running? And you were we were before talking about like maybe there'll be like, will there be a recall? Like I'm just curious about your experience. Well, my campaign manager is very good at like keeping stuff like that away from me. Great. So I don't have to see a lot of stuff, you know, the negative remarks and comments and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But this is the thing. I'm from Chicago, raised in Chicago, went to school in Missouri, a little bitty town where it was one stoplight and that and and that blinked. It wasn't even <laughs> consistent. <laughs> Didn't <Okay>. even work. <laughs> so um that was the very first time I, I actually dealt with racism and discrimination as a college student. And um you go to college, where'd you, in Chicago? In Missouri. In Missouri, sorry. Okay. So I didn't know what that felt like. So I end up generating thick skin at a very young age. So you have to. And will I expect, you know, some negative feedback from me winning this election? Absolutely. It's America. It's true. So it's important for me to um, prepare myself, just like me being a mother of two black men. I have to prepare them as kids, as young teenagers. Hey, I know it's your right to wear a hoodie, but when it's at night, don't put a hoodie on. Or if you're in a neighborhood, you it's preparing them. So I'm prepared mm-hmm. for whatever. Like I said, you know, earlier before we got on air, Penfield Tate was the first black man, black person to win city council, but then they asked for in a Boulder. Recall. In yeah. Boulder, uh-huh. yeah. So would they do that to me? Maybe, possibly. Am I ready for it? Absolutely. You know, we're going to make it happen by any means necessary. Yeah, like the adage, man. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. You don't. You know, I, I mean, you, it's like you're trying to, trying to be over here, take over Human Eye Studios right now. Let's get to, <laughs> let's get to work, you know? I love the questions. I love it. Um, I, I want more. Well, you know, I love how you all talk about power because it's like the three pillars. One, what is it? Culture, ego, and power. And that's, besides culture, the two of those is what, what you were talking about, not to bring Trump up again. It's the ego and the power. And so... How do we build trust? I believe, you know, I was trying to do my little research. But how do we build (laughs) trust with our community, within one another, with one another? I think we have to understand what does power mean to you? You know, and I know one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and my mind is jumping. Let me stay focused, Shakita. So (laughs) what does power mean? mean to each individual? That's the question. Because in the hood, power may mean just to have enough money to go to have food or to help another neighbor out. And in the 
affluent neighborhood, power may be being the chair of the most prestigious organization there is. To say, I'm, on, I'm the chair of this, I'm the chair of that. And it really is power. So what does power mean to each person? That's, 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 the, that's what we need to figure out. That's interesting. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Because what's powerful to you may not be powerful right. to me. I don't care about that. Yeah. I usually think of power as access to desired resources. So the resources could be money, and that's usually where people go. But it could be social capital. It could be access. It could be anything. And we don't know what is powerful to someone else until we ask them, you know, like, what is your question? Like, what is power to you? And I think you get a really different answer from the older folks in your community than your youth, right? And um, I think that's what makes power like, like this slippery concept because we can't tune into it. Like I, as a white woman, just been noticing how, because um, I talk a lot about safety and psychological safety in my work. I have this assumption of psychological safety, of safety when I go into groups. Like I feel like I can speak up pretty quickly and in places. And even if it's saying something edgy or vulnerable or something, but I have a certain degree of safety that I take for granted that is power. And um, that's something that's often off of my radar because it's all unconscious. Like whatever I'm picking up in the room, body language, you know, surroundings, am I comfortable, not comfortable? What are these people, are people relaxed, not relaxed? It's happening so fast. But yeah. So then when I like focus in on that, then I'm like, okay, this is a source of power that I know from talking to people is important for other people to have. So how do I then use that power to make more people feel safe? And that's, I'm always like personally always focused on safety and nervous systems. Cause I do believe we get the best out of people if everyone's, you know, not super activated in their nervous system and can feel safe, but that might not be what's important to everyone. And so then that's hard for me to like let go of, right? Because I'm like, I'm focused on this one piece, but there's so many other definitions of power out there. That's right. We're good at assuming. We are so good. Happens so fast. That's right. <laughs> right. Can we have centralized power? <laughs> Courtney? See, the thing about, I mean, power has changed a lot in my life. You know, um, I mean, not a lot, but both spectrums you know when you when i was growing up power seems when i looked out at, into the world like a guy that can buy anything you know um he can get any woman he wants you know and that to me was powerful now later on in my life power if we spoke about earlier is something that has to be used as a sword as a boot as a key you know whatever it takes to elevate someone else that's true power you know and for me in my life right now and sometimes power can be as simple as um picking up a baby you know and showing the world that uh, regardless of color you can love you know versus screaming on someone that has disrespected someone else or going to jail fighting for uh, a city council person in Longmont, you know, putting your life on the line. That uh, power can be so many things, but 
for me right now, in my mind, power is a tool. And I think if used the right way, it could lead to freedom, truly. And if used the wrong way, it could take freedom, you know? And so it's, it's bigger than the color of your skin. It's just more about strength and understanding. And I'm not just talking about strength, how much you can lift, like mental strength, you know, um, and what you're willing to use it on. Because when we talk about white supremacy, we always say it, it's a brilliant construct because it was powerful enough to still, it's still lasting to this day, you know? And so it's gonna take as much audacity and power and possibly more to even start to, to reverse the damage that has been caused by that form of power, you know? And so only way we unearth and like meet that power is meet it with more power. Very interesting. How do you find, define power? I define power a responsibility that we all have. And I like you kind of, you touched on it. It's a responsibility to allow everyone to have um, that responsibility, and which is power. So when we all have a viewpoint of power being this great resource, some will say the resource of financial means or economic means, right? Mm -hmm. Then there are people who want it all. So how do we stabilize, if that's a, a word for power, under power, to where we all can have it and appreciate it as a resource for all of us that we all can have without thinking that you have to have it all. Right. Right. It's like this fundamental misunderstanding of power, that power has to be, you have to have all the power to have power. Like it can't be distributed. Like we, like what is that, what does that culture look like where everyone feels empowered? Like, I don't know. I mean, there might be some <laughs> native cultures. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was what was instilled fundamentally in the beginning. Of this country. Of this country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. That's why everyone wants that particular type of power. Right. Because it's not just power over, it's a resource that controls everyone and everything that's strong. It's just hard to imagine life without that. You know, like it's so, it's so deeply instilled in there and it's so, but it's so deeply toxic. Yet we've all accepted, we've all drunk the Kool-Aid, you know. I mean, I say we all. I'm just talking about myself. I'm sure there no, are other we, people. Who black don't. people too. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's why slavery was such a, a, a thing. Like, Harry Tubman said it best. <laughs> More people would have been freed if they knew they were slaves. Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a normal thing to be oppressed that we've begun to normalize that. Yeah. You know, so like, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is where I was born. This is where I'm going to go to jail. It is what it is. So while I'm out here, I'm going to live reckless. I think of that when you say that, I think of like when I started to read more like feminist topics or, you know, and like I had a discomfort with it of like, it's not okay to be 
speaking out in that way because this this I, I don't even know what the discomfort is. It's like it was uncomfortable to for me to think of a world where women weren't so oppressed and like I felt this obligation to not speak out in that regard and that was you know a couple decades ago now but uh, yeah it just thinks like how normalized the oppression is is frightening what does freedom look like hold on oh (laughs) what does freedom look like what does america look like i mean if we were all free then power would be minimized oh i don't think it'd be minimized It'd just be reimagined. I think it'll be, it'll, it'll look different. If everyone in this room is powerful, that's a lot of power in the room. But we feel like it, I got to be powerful. That means I got to step on Emily's neck. I got to step on Kikita's neck. You know what I mean? That's the only way I could be powerful. So if we reimagine that and say, damn, I'm powerful. Chiquita's powerful. Emily's powerful. That's three times as much power versus my one. You know? That's what, I mean, it's just a, it's just a law of like, multiplicity like you know and so i think freedom to me would be a a world where we weren't afraid to reallocate freedom you know we weren't afraid to have a woman as a president we weren't afraid we wouldn't be afraid to have an asian person or a gay person or a transgender person in in government and 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 it wouldn't be a my it wouldn't be an amazing thing to have a black president that's just normal shit. That's what America is. That's what we do over there. You know, like, if, if you good, you got it. And so I, I think freedom, because, I, I mean, that's the work I do in my life right now. Everything's predicated on that is a world where, I mean, now we talk about capitalism. You can get into that. Freedom is just the through way, the underlining, the, the, the main factor as to a life worth living. When you can truly wake up in the morning without being distracted by oppression, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. Will it happen? Will I'm we ever see it? I mean, I, I ain't a fortune teller, um, but I'm gonna die trying. I'm gonna die trying to 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 put a ripple in that pond. You know, um, if my name is not spoke alongside of activists that really put in work towards that regard, I'm wasting my time, you know? And so I feel like if it's not seen a hundred percent, we will start to see it and start to understand it. And, and I mean, people still going to fight. You're going to see it, you know, uh, or you have seen it. I mean, you've seen it, the uncomfortability, but I feel like there has to be ripples in the pond of, um, of ignorance. And I, I hope to be one of that, one of those. I'm curious what's going to happen with, you know, now that the census data is out and that the, you know, what is it, less than 50% of Americans identify as white. And there's this this emphasis, like NASDAQ just said as of August that public companies have to have diversity within their board. Otherwise, they have to state publicly why they don't. So representation is really coming to the forefront as this this powerful piece of movement. And like, how can we deny how can we accept like, you know, a, a political spectrum of personalities that aren't less than 50% white? And so I, I don't know, like how, if we, I think it's, we got to keep representation 
as a focus. I, I think companies can do it more easily than countries because it's elected officials. But but also these companies have to do the internal work. Yeah. Because people of color are being used and they're just checking off boxes. I don't want to be tokenized. And I have been several times. And when even though I may know that I'm being tokenized, should I leave that position being on the board? Because again, if I don't do it, who will? Yeah, and that's a lot of times I have to really push out and speak out, yell out and scream out so that my voice can be heard. Right. Is that, do you feel like there's value in that performative step of, you know, bringing up like a person, like that? I think, I'm not sure how NASDAQ is defining diversity. I don't know if it's women or personal color or, or sexual orientation. Do you think there's value in having that step that could be more tokenizing so that you have representation so that you can build to another step? That's a really good question. That's why I said I believe that these organizations need to do the internal work first to understand why it's important to have representation, have people on their boards that are not like-minded, you know. It's a real value add. Like, like all all the studies are there. Like, you get a better product, you do better, more profitability, less but then sick it days. Goes all back these to things. The power. Mm-hmm. Who's willing to get up off of a board to get up, let their seat? You know, say here you can have my seat. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Who's willing to do that? Tell you who is someone else, <laughs> right? Not me. Someone else can do that work. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I've worked hard. To I've worked this, hard to be on this board. I've picked myself up by the bootstraps. This is not privilege. This is something that I worked for. That's right. I opened my own doors. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think, Courtney? <laughs> um, see, I think this is where I've been blessed to be in a stage in my life where it's do or die. And so, like, me and Emily kind of, like, go head-to-head with this. What, How far are you willing to go for what you say you're doing? You know, I don't have to think about a child. You know, I, I can just be like, you know what? If I die today, I die today. That could seem selfish if I had a wife and kids. Now, my argument would be if I had a wife and kids and my partner knew what I was here to do in this world, go get him. Go get it, Dad. That's what you're here for. You know, and so we live in a world where everybody thinks about self. That's the reality. You know, and me as an activist, I'm also thinking about self because I feel as though if I'm not free, you're not free. And so for me to like obtain true freedom, I have to work to make sure that you can experience that. That's the only way I can be free. You know, I can't talk about Martin or Malcolm or any other of the civil activists that came before me. All I know is they did what they did. And it's going to look a lot different for me, you know, because I, I come from a world that's unforgiving, you know. And if you don't have something to show, then you ain't doing none. Like, I went to medical school. Okay. You ain't go to jail, though. Damn. True. All right. So now it makes me a different type of fighter 
because I wasn't a preacher, you know? Like, I've seen poverty, still seen it. And so, like, you 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 ask about the boardrooms and this, I can and care less about that. You know, I, I want to be in a position where I don't have to be tokenized because I don't play that game well. I, I don't. I try, you know, I, I tried in medical. I tried in medicine. And it was difficult. You know, like as I, I walked to the hospital, I feel like an alien. You know, when I'm in the room with my patient, I'm like, I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of it. I'm out with my colleagues. I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're mad you're not going on vacation? I'm leaving my car right now, bro. What are we, like, it's, it's so, the disconnect for me, that's a great question, but I don't have, uh, like, the lens that I will always have, no matter if I'm a multimillionaire, is a man that is homeless. So my bank account may say millions. Google may say I'm multimillionaire. But Courtney, in my mind, I'll always be Courtney in the homeless shelter, sleeping in my car, sleeping on the floor. Because unless I'm elevating another person, I'm not doing anything. Because my community is unkind. I have to come back to my community with results. If I go to a kid who's selling drugs on the corner and they see me pull up in a Bentley, they're thinking, oh, that was drug money. No, it's education. Education bought this Bentley, you know? And so I don't know how to relate to someone who feels as though power is the most important thing because to me, power looks different. So if I go to a blood or crypt territory or gang neighborhood and I sit next to you, like, look, you could kill me right now because I'm wearing a blue or I have red on, but let me tell you what I'm trying to do. And then you make a decision if you want to kill me or not. That's true gangster right there. That's, that's a different type of power that I'm holding versus I'm I'm trying to war over territory that is not even mine. You know, and so that's a great question, but it's hard for me to answer because I don't even if I sit at the head of a table, I won't be the head of my company. I love that. That was just so that was so deep. That was so deep and I love it because it you just brought it back to the whole difference of power, right? Just again how many people can't even relate? They can't relate to that sense of power. They can't. And then, but yet I can tell you of all the women of color that come to me personally and say, Shakita, I can't, I can't deal with being on this board anymore because I'm not being heard. How do you work in a place where you're the only black person there? And I, I mean, literally crying in tears with me, asking me, how do you do it? And then I get exactly what you're saying, but then I'm looking at that nonprofit whose job is to lift up the, un, the people who are not represented. So they are doing that. They're supposed to be doing that, but who's holding them accountable? That's the job of the board. And there are no representatives of those people sitting on the board. And it's so important. Yes, I may be tokenized, for six months, mm-hmm. but by the time I get done, yeah, you're gonna know who I am, you know. But we don't have enough people who can who have that strength to do that. Mm-hmm. And we're so tired of being tokenized in our own community constantly that it's really hard to get on the board and sit here and eyes looking at you or avoiding you while you sitting right across. Look, you know, I'm right next to you. That's you know so much I mean? to so, take on. How do we encourage? So my job is, I feel, is to encourage those young women 
to hold on. Let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the process. And then if you still feel like you can't do it, don't do it because self-care is yeah. so important, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. more important. And so I want to make sure that I love on them. I encourage them. I motivate them. I inspire them to keep going through that fight because of those constituents that are sleeping on the street, for those single moms who don't have food to eat, the work of these organizations that they're supposed to be providing programs for those who are underrepresented. So when your board is all of the same like-minded people, but the people that they're supposed to be making decisions for are nothing like them. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. That's why we're still in the same cycle. Yeah. Yes. Do you have advice that you would give to a listener who, let's say, is a, a white listener who finds themselves in a situation like that where they're on a board, they've just brought in some, quote, diversity, and to create a situation that's less that, that image of, like, people looking at you and maybe, you know, do you have any advice for people? No. I mean, I guess it's people in position of power in that situation. Right. I think it's important for the boards to be true. I think, number one, ask why. Why does it matter that you have representation on your board? Make sure everyone on the board can answer that question. Yeah. And know the value. And, and know, know the yeah. value. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, then educate yourselves. What does that look like? If I've had, if I have someone from another country to come sit on my board, mm -hmm. and that may dress differently, mm -hmm. you know, and may do things differently, mm -hmm. and speak differently, mm -hmm. how can you and your board relate to this person? So do your homework, right? What really upsets me is when they hire, when these boards hire people of color as a token, and then. You know, kind of almost what well, we voted Obama in, but when they say, okay, we did it, right? We got a person of color on the now as a CEO, <laughs> executive director, but then they shut them, they don't want them to do their job. Right, right. They just want them to be the face of the mm -hmm. organization to say, look what we've done. We understand. <laughs> no, you don't. But then they don't allow them to be themselves and to do their jobs. And that is all over Colorado, yeah. especially Boulder County. Yeah. Um, so not that we have very many people of color in executive roles anyway, but when they are, it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. It is a struggle and it shouldn't be a struggle mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would say to those organizations, first of all, ask why. You have to do the internal work first. Because you can do more harm than helping. And the whole outcome, the whole end result is the people that you're serving. Right. You know? Yeah. And then do your homework. Mm -hmm. wow. Great advice. Do your homework. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. And then this should have been number one. But number three, listen. For me, it's the number one form of communication. Listening. It's listening. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's so and powerful. That's how you keep people. Yeah. That's how you retain. Yeah. And you don't have to agree with something that everyone's saying. Just listen and validate. And um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think we're 
coming to the end yeah. of our time here. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. I really appreciate you. Yeah. It was lovely to sit down with you here at Longmont Public Media. It's so gracious for them to have it. They are doing a fundraiser right now. Is that mm -hmm. right? Um, if you want to support yeah, this local um, community maker space, which is incredible. We are super psyched to have just found out <laughs> <Yes>. about it. <laughs> yes. You may notice our sound quality is a lot better right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when well, we move it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, any final thoughts for our listeners? Um, you know, people say they want change. In order to have change, you have to, you have to act. You know, it's like having faith, but having faith without action. Mm -hmm. It's nothing. So, you know, back to what Courtney was saying, you know, you have to, do what you believe in, do what you believe, right? Mm -hmm. Not just talk about it. And I believe that's your true testament, Courtney. And I know never in a million years, I thought I would be running for any type of political office. <laughs> and so I also want to say have grace. Mm. Grace is important because when you went to medical school, you thought your profession, that was your profession. Yeah. And your life took a turn as mine, as did mine. Mm -hmm. And so not only have grace with other people, but have grace for yourself. Mm. And accept and respect the journey. Mm. You That's know? beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, damn. Whew. Humanized family, y'all guys have been blessed again. Another amazing, phenomenal episode. Thank you. I'm going to say it, Representative Yarborough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it right now. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Thank you so much for your your, your greatness, um, for the fight. And we look forward to hearing great things coming from Longmont. Yeah. Appreciate so. you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.